0: Hey, it's Scott Petrack with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. Since we last talked, the Browns got a crucial win over the Steelers in prime time. Miles Garrett wrecked his Porsche, but walked away. And The Browns are preparing to face the Falcons in Atlanta on Sunday. Here to discuss it all is Dave Chudowski of Go, the WKYC Morning News. How you doing, Chud?
1: Scott. You know, it's it's days like this with what's going on in Florida that, you know, you don't take anything for granted. And, you know, I know a lot of people, uh, you know, on the outside say, you know, hey, why do you live in Cleveland or this or that? But I'll tell you, man, just the comfortability and the ease of living in Cleveland and not having to worry about stuff like what's happening. I, I feel terrible for all the people down there. But, man, we you know, we did the morning news for two hours on it this morning and uh, not all on that, but the majority And, uh, just feel for everyone down in Florida, hope everyone's safe, feel bad for people that, you know, have homes down there that have lost them. But, you know, it's just another example of, uh, you know, how grateful we should be here in Cleveland, Ohio.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I always think about that too, when you see stuff like that, right? Not that we don't have our own issues, but
1: we don't have to
0: deal with that. And yeah, my, uh, niece is actually at the university of Tampa. So they, uh, they had the week off They she had to go somewhere else to, um, kind of shelter in place they evacuated. So glad that it had dodged Tampa at least.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh my sister uh has a business down in Florida, used to live there. She's up in North Carolina now. But you know, I think everyone knows someone or sure. uh knows someone who knows someone in Florida. And, you know, we all spend time down there at some point. But uh, you know, it just goes and then you know you got the Miles Garrett situation. So, you know, here we go again. Um you know, having to start out with something besides football, obviously, you know, we'll talk a majority of football here. But before we do that, obviously, we have to talk about that. Thank goodness he's OK, because, boy, that could have been really bad. I mean, Scott, you know, that could have been fatal. It could have been serious injuries. Uh, the fact that they walked out the way they did, pretty fortunate.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, the you know, we were back in the building Wednesday or yeah, Wednesday. We're taping this Thursday. So yesterday. Um, and that was the first time since the accident right we talked to guys Monday after practice and Miles was in practice and then the accident occurred after he left the team facility about three o'clock in the afternoon so that was the first time we kind of checked in with the players and coach Kevin Stefanski and obviously the overriding sentiment is relief that Miles is okay and you're right chad from a from a human perspective it's great that he and his passenger right he had a unidentified female, female passenger, that they're both. Okay. And miles was able to, you know, that they're able to walk away, um, non-life threatening injuries from a football perspective. The bonds got really lucky and miles. Garrett got really lucky because it could have been worse. I mean, if your car rolls over and you're, you strain a bicep and sprain a shoulder and you have a cut on, you know, cuts and bumps and bruises like Garrett has, um, It's not a stretch to think you could have broken a bone, right? You could have torn a ligament, whatever it is. um, An injury that would cost you significant time. And it doesn't appear that Garrett suffered any of those. Uh, He might practice today. Kevin Stefanski said they haven't ruled him out for Sunday yet. And we can talk about whether or not they should just rule him out, period. Um, But it certainly feels like if he's going to miss any time, it's going to be a short amount of time and that's a big break for the team and it's a big break for Miles because you know I've talked to Miles plenty of time plenty of times and he's talked about how there's always been kind of something that derails a season a little bit. You know, he had the obviously the suspension um the end of one year um covid he missed some time with covid in 2020 and then wasn't the same when he came back. Last year he played every game but he dealt with a groin injury late so Um, You know, he's kind of been looking for that one season where everything goes his way and he can really pile up the stats, get that defensive player of the year, um, take the bronze to the playoffs. uh, And hopefully this isn't that thing that derails him or sidetracks him. And it doesn't appear that it will be, um, you know, even if he has to miss one game. Yeah,
1: it seems like there's always something I know three news investigates we had the story on last night again this morning that you know he's had I think it was and and again I think it was six tickets since like 2017 or or something that needs I don't have it right in front of me I you know we talked about it this morning um I don't have the notes in front of me but I you know when when you see that kind of thing Scott and you know I haven't really heard much on the radio or anyone write about this and forgive me if you have uh, I I, would have missed it but I guess the thing that comes to my mind is, you know, listen, everyone deserves to have a personal life and, you know, and and live their life. Right. But, you know, you know, a guy likes to play basketball now, you know, obviously he's driving kind of fast, (laughs) kind of maybe an understatement. I guess the bottom line is, you know, Scott, I I deserve to have a life too, but I'm not taking up boxing where my face is going to be all bruised (laughs) and go on TV. You know, I'm, I'm not going into shouting matches where I'm going to lose my voice. I mean, like, if I can't talk and, and present myself on TV, you know, I don't get a paycheck. I don't do my job. Like, do do we have to think about something like that with Miles? Like, does someone have to sit down with him and be like, hey, listen, we're glad you're okay. And maybe they have already. But what do you think about that? Am, am I out of bounds there? Well, first of all, Chud, <laughs> I didn't
0: think your pretty face was why you were on TV. I thought it was for your uh, your knowledge and your great spoken speaking ability. But I guess your face has Same. something
1: to do with it. Well, um, and I don't want to, get, and that's not I'm my just, point. I'm there, I playing. guess. I'm just um, <laughs> I know you. That was great. That was uh, great. But yeah, there's so
0: many thoughts that that come to mind when you mention that. And number one, I, I on Tuesday, I did report a couple of, and I didn't make a big deal out of it because I wasn't sure how to handle it, given you know right after the accident. But there were back in Channel Three. Um, you guys mentioned this among the six. I only saw two of them. But I found two in Medina County a, almost a year ago, and they were back-to-back days where Miles was ticketed for going 120 miles an hour. And the next day, it was amended to 99, which means he was going more than 100 back-to-back days. And to me, that's it's not only is it noteworthy, it's concerning that he didn't learn his lesson the first day, right? If you get ticketed going 120, the next day, how do you get ticketed? going you know and it's an amended charge of 99 right like that's to me that's reckless um so i that does concern me and first of all concerns me initially from a mile safety standpoint right because i don't think that's safe i know he's driving the best cars in the world it still doesn't strike me as safe especially when everybody else on the road's going you know 70 or 75 or 80 because it's a 70 mile per hour zone. Um, so I, I worry about that. And you know, who knows? The we haven't seen a report from this accident, right? That it happened Monday, so I don't know if he was speeding Monday or not. Um, but we know he had yeah. right, but we know there's a pattern yeah. of speeding, and, and that's yeah. concerning. And to me, it's concerning for him, it's concerning for others on the road, you know. I mean, he got lucky that it was a one car accident Monday and that he didn't go the other way. Right. Or that he didn't run into somebody. I mean, he's lucky. Anybody else on the road was lucky. Um, So yeah, I, I do think it's more than just miles as a football player. It's a society issue. It's a miles safety issue. And then you bring up a good point where, I mean, he signed a giant contract. So he has a responsibility to the team. Now, if he got in an accident where he couldn't play, then I'm, the Browns might be able to recoup some of that money, but that's not the point. The point is, Miles needs to be healthy, and he, I mean, he needs to be healthy for the Browns, but he needs to be healthy for himself, right? And his loved ones. And he had someone in the car with him who was injured Monday, so I, I don't think it's out of bounds to say Miles needs to be more careful when he drives. And I asked John Johnson the third about that on Wednesday. And he said, he said, you can't just flip a switch and, you know, see that and go, oh, my gosh, now I got to be more careful because you always have to be careful. But that is another reminder, right, that when you're leaving the facility, don't drive recklessly, don't do anything recklessly, like just be careful, be extra careful. And, you know, hopefully this incident with Miles that turns out to be not that bad um, will have an impact on the rest of the guys, right? Because I've walked through that parking lot. Like it's, you know, during COVID, the way we got to practice was different. You know, we weren't in the building. So we had to walk around. We, all, we always stayed outside. And you walk through the player's parking lot and you look at all those cars and I get it, right? And I get to Miles is 26, right? And I'm old. And at 26, yeah. I'd probably be flying if I were driving a Porsche, right? Or <laughs> Porsche or however, but um you you do need to be more careful. It, that's the bottom line. It's not just him. It's drivers in general, right? And now I sound like a public
1: service announcement. But
0: you can't be driving 100 miles an hour. You just can't. It's not a good
1: idea. Yeah, I mean, we you know, from a football standpoint, they cannot afford to lose this guy. I mean, it, it's the bottom line. Uh, so looking to this Sunday, do you think he'll play? I mean, did you get any I, – I, I know some of the – I saw some of the sound coming out of the locker room. Stefanski said – Uh, basically he's not making any decisions on Wednesday. They needed to look to see what happens today. Right. Uh, you know, what did you get any vibe though? Have you talked to anyone? Do you have a a gut feeling on whether he plays Sunday?
0: I mean, I don't feel, I don't have a strong feeling, but I think if he can, he's going to play. Like if he's able to practice, um, you know, one of the next two days, if he feels okay, um, and he's cleared by the doctors, then then I think he plays. Because, number one, I think that's what guys do. If they're healthy enough to play, they play. And I get you can say, oh, my gosh, he's got a shoulder and a bicep. Well, he could have had those – he could have suffered those injuries playing the Steelers, right? Like, Joe Batonio's got a biceps injury, and he's playing through it. Now, he's not practicing, or he didn't practice yesterday, at least, but he's going to play through And my guess is Joe Batonio's biceps injury is more serious than Miles bicep injury um now you know you add the shoulder sprain into it and you know who knows but if he's physically able to play i think he will play and i i didn't get any sense that the browns would hold him out just to hold him out um now maybe miles will feel that you know i don't know how we haven't talked to miles yet he hasn't posted anything on social media that i've seen um so maybe he is traumatized enough where he just isn't ready right his Physically, emotionally, he's not ready. And I would understand that. Having said that, you know, I, I think there's a segment of people that say, hey, he should just, it's just too emotional, too traumatic. He should just take the game off. He shouldn't, they should not rush him back. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think if he is, if he, if he feels he's ready to play physically and emotionally, then I would play him because that's what this league is. You play if you're ready. We talked about it a million times last year with Baker, right? obviously different circumstances but to me it's the same kind of philosophy if you're able to play you play there's only 17 of these games he is so valuable to this team um that if he feels he's ready
1: i would play him you think we're gonna hear from him today or tomorrow doesn't he usually talk on fridays yeah he usually talks fridays um i don't
0: know it, it'll be interesting to see if if he feels like talking today um if he waits until tomorrow, which is his normal day, maybe gets a practice or two under him, you know, under his belt before he talks. Um, I'm prepared for him to talk either day or not at all this week. I mean you never know. Um, but if he practices and is gonna play, then I fully expect him to talk to us. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I think we're in the locker room at eleven fifteen today before practice. So
1: um it'll be interesting to see if he talks. Yeah. You ready to move on? Yeah. yeah. All right. I think we've we've uh, hit that pretty well. Let's talk about the Steelers game now because we haven't talked since then. And uh, we both predicted victory. You moved to 2-1 on the season. I'm 1-2. But more importantly, the Browns are 2-1. That's what matters. And they beat the Steelers. And you know what? Uh, you know, I, it, they, they were down by a point at halftime. But, you know, I think it was pretty convincing in the second half. I mean, bottom line is it was a pretty solid win, I think.
0: It was. I, I thought it was a well rounded win. Um, you know, the defense wasn't great in the first half, right? Gave up 14 points. Um, it looked, felt like the Steelers could move the ball, although, you know, one of those drives, um, George Pickens makes a crazy catch, right, for the Steelers um, to keep that drive going. It was a great catch, but I'm just saying it was, you know, does a big play in that drive. Um, and it's a, it was a remarkable play that I don't fault the, you know, Martin Emerson Jr., the cornerback in coverage. Um, but then they cleaned it up even more in the second half. We didn't see any of the communication breakdowns that we saw in weeks one and two that we talked so much about. They only let up a field goal in the second half after letting 17 points up in the fourth quarter of each of the first two games. Uh, so I, I thought you saw a marked improvement on defense. And then offensively, they still ru- They still ran the ball great, and they lead the league in rushing. And I thought Jacoby Brissett played really well. Um Kevin Sapansky talked about how he started a little slow, but I, I thought he played I thought he played great. Shot he threw the ball. He threw the ball with a lot of velocity in a, a tough wind, especially at the beginning of the game. It was blowing twenty-one miles an hour. And I thought he had a lot of zip on the ball. I thought he looked quick again. Not quick like Lamar Jackson quick, but quicker than he did in week one. Um, and I think that comes from comfort in the offense and comfort in his footwork. Uh, and, and we saw him quarterback sneak about three times, I want to say, to pick up first downs, including the, a final one, which got a huge celebration from him. And he said he'd been waiting to do that. He would always wanted to celebrate like that. So I, I thought you could really go to a lot of different areas on this team and say it was, there was a big improvement and it was a well-rounded victory. Now, there's still some issues. Special teams. K. York misses an extra point off the upright. They get a punt partially deflected. Still nothing in the return game. But punter Corey Bohrquez has been really good and pinned the Steelers deep a couple of times. So um, yeah, I, I thought they played better than the Steelers. I thought they were better than the Steelers, and they were able to figure it. They were able to finish it off, um, which obviously was the problem in Week Two against the Jets.
1: Yeah, Jacoby Brissett. Do we have a quarterback controversy, Scott? That's what I'm hearing. I mean. Only in Cleveland, right? I mean, seriously? (laughs) No, we do not.
0: Um, It'll be interesting, though. Like, I mean, obviously, it's too early, and, you know, he's played really well. And I'm not arguing that at all. And I think he's shown why the Browns front office and coaching staff felt that he was the right guy for when Deshaun Watson was suspended. Now, is he going to continue to play at this high level? I don't know. We need to see it, right? You need to see him do it for a sustained stretch and not just a couple of weeks. You need to see him do it when he's playing quarterbacks, like Justin Herbert and Tom Brady, right? Like the guy, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, the schedule is getting harder. The quarterbacks are going to get better. Um, you know, I mean, it's been Baker Mayfield, Joe Flacco and uh, Mitchell Trubisky, right? So yeah. Schedule, and I'm going to
1: jump in. I, I'm going to jump in right there. that's exactly what's going to be my point. Like, and I was joking about the controversy, me, but I have heard people talking about it. and It's like, come on. I mean, Panthers, Jets, Steelers. I mean, yeah, the Jets are better. Uh, Panthers is on the road. Not to take anything away from Brissett, but before we start having this conversation, you got to, you know, beat some other teams and, and really show us that there's more than just what we've seen. Yeah, I mean, yes, that's exactly right.
0: And we're a long way from December 4th. And, you know, if the Browns are eight and three yeah then that's a discussion right do you break up an eight and three team to go back to a quarterback or to go to a quarterback who's never played for you and hasn't played in 700 days right hasn't played a game it will have been 700 days when you get to december 4th that's a legitimate argument if the are eight and three and percent has played like this for a long long stretch it's way premature in week three having said that I think Brissett has shown that he can play winning football. And I think if you had doubts about Brissett, which were certainly natural to have, right? The guy was 14 and 23 as a starter entering the season. If you had those doubts, I think how he's played the last two weeks, and it doesn't feel flukish, you know, it feels like good decisions, good throws, uh, able to run the ball just enough, right? Able to scramble just enough, good on quarterback sneaks. All those things feel to me pretty stable, Um Then you say, okay, I guess my point is what switched to me is now I feel like they have a better chance in games that look like really difficult games, right? The Chargers of the Worlds, the Bengals of the Worlds, the Ravens of the Worlds, where you thought, hey, I I don't know, you know, the Browns are going to come up on this really difficult stretch of the schedule. Can they compete? And I I think the way Jacoby Brissett has played the last two weeks, coupled with the run game, coupled with the defense that still has a lot of talent, You say, okay, I can see the Browns winning more of those games than I did after week one.
1: Nick Chubb, man, I'll tell you, just so much fun to watch. And honestly, you know, just give him the ball and give it to him more. And, (laughs) you know, and then when you bring in Cream Hunt, it's just, uh, you know, it's got to be awesome for Brissett to know that he has that behind him.
0: Well, for sure, right? And it opens up stuff through the play action. We saw that deep um, over route to Amari Cooper uh, in the fourth quarter, right? They run the ball a bunch and they go with that play action. He's wide open. It's a big play on that drive. It extends a drive. Um, those things open up when you have established the run like the Browns have. Uh, they prove, and I'm going to, I'm working on a, you know, kind of a big story about the run game in general um, for the weekend, but just teams know they're going to run, and they're still able to run it. And that's a a great sign. Not every team can do that. It's really difficult, in fact, to do that when teams try to stack the box, which is why Jacoby Brissett needs to be efficient and effective when you give him that opportunity to throw, and he has been. Um, But going back to Chubb, Chubb, I I think he's – I'm sure I've said it on this podcast before – I think he's the best runner in the league. Now that doesn't mean he's the best running back, right? You have McCaffrey when he's healthy. You have Kamara when he's healthy and on the field, right? Like just guys, those dual threat running backs. But from a pure workhorse running back standpoint, I think he's the best runner. Now I know Derrick Henry's numbers have been bigger. I know you have Jonathan Taylor. and You know, I haven't seen him as much as I've seen Derrick Henry, Um But, like, Derrick Henry, I watch him, and if you load the box and you get to him before he gets ahead of steam, you can stop him. And we saw that whenever that was, Thursday or Monday night, whenever I saw him on national TV. Chubb doesn't feel that way to me. Like, the way he is jump-cutting and cutting and the way he falls forward and the way it doesn't take him a long time to get up ahead of steam, like, all those things, the vision, um, I just think he's the best runner in the league. Uh, and maybe you yeah. can make an argument about Jonathan Taylor, but I, I just think he's remarkable. And I think he's running even better now than he has. Yeah. And he's been great before this.
1: No, I would take him over Derrick Henry now for sure. And I, I like your argument, best runner, maybe not best overall running back. I, I don't disagree with you. I, I might take Jonathan Taylor overall uh if you know if I could pick but mm-hmm. and part of that part of that's health wise too I mean I don't want to jinx Taylor but you know the guy's never hurt right. the one knock on Chubb is you know he doesn't always stay healthy Scott that's the problem I mean I'd like to see Chubb stay out there for a whole year
0: yeah you're right he missed some time last year I think I mean I thought the other couple of years he played he was pretty reliable pretty healthy but you're right I just saw something that Jonathan Taylor never missed a practice until yesterday so yeah um, obviously yeah. that's that's critically important but yeah, it's just yeah. and Chubb, you know, now Chubb's going home to, you know, he's from Cedartown, Georgia. He said it's an hour away from Atlanta. He's going home. He's gonna have a bunch of people there. Um oh, nice. you know, yeah. yeah, I think I think that's something to keep an eye on. Sunday, you could see another huge game from him.
1: Yeah, three hundred and forty-one yards rushing this season, and the third most by a Brown after the first three weeks of the season. So um, I'll tell you, he's 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 fun to watch. He's special, no doubt. Uh two other guys I want to talk about on offense is um, David Njoku and Amari Cooper. And Njoku, this is just, man, this is what you think about and you want to see all the time. Like, you know it's there, and and, and you'd like to get more of it. And then, you know, I think we're, you know, Scott, we'll admit when we're wrong, and this is where – I'm not going to say I'm wrong, but I will say that I did not think we would see this out of Amari Cooper until Deshaun Watson was playing quarterback. I will say, because sometimes a knock on Cooper is – uh, he doesn't always show up. Sometimes, you know, he's there. Sometimes he's not. Boy, he's been there, and I am impressed by him a lot. I know he's a great receiver, right. but to be right. doing it with Brissett right now, I- I'm impressed.
0: Yeah. I'll start with Njoku. Um That's the kind of game, right, that's the kind of game you're looking for, right, and that's why it kind of justifies the contract that the Browns gave him, the, law, the big extension, four years, $54 million. Um, now he needs – it needs to be consistent and he needs to catch the ball, right? I thought there's one play he should have made inside the five where he got undercut, but the ball hit him in his hands. Um, so it wasn't a perfect day. We do have to note that he blocks really well in the run game. And that is critical when we talk about this running game and he's done a really good job and gets rave reviews, some coaches and teammates in that area. But for $14 million or whatever it is a year, then you got to catch the ball too. And you got to be productive. And he was, and I think there's a good chance we see more of that, that he develops as the number two option for Jacoby Brissett. And if he can, and if he makes the catches in the red zone, right, which he did against the Steelers with that touchdown, um, then this offense has a chance to, you know, continue to click and play like it did against the Steelers. Uh, And when it comes to Mark Cooper, I've been nothing but impressed with him since the day he got here, Judd. And I've talked to him a few times. He's a good guy to talk to. I think he's got the right team-first attitude that you don't always see in receivers. He's got good hands. We know that he's an exceptional rot runner. And, and the thing about it, Chud, is I think he I, – I know that he's got room to be even better. Because you go back, he dropped that fourth and two pass at the end of the first half. They first ruled it a catch, and then it was reviewed or overturned on after a replay review. He should have caught that ball. There's a ball late in the game that was set through a seed and it bounced off his face mask. And I think those are uncharacteristic plays. So I think he could have been even better, right? He had whatever it was nine for one hundred and one. It could have been eleven for, you know, one thirty-five, right? Andy had to play where he stepped out of bounds, so actually it could have been about one seventy. So I, I do think there's more room for improvement there, and. You talked about, okay, you didn't think you'd see these numbers until Watson played, and I completely understand what you're saying. And I think that speaks to Kobe Brissett, but it also speaks to Cooper's ability to consistently get open. And we saw it even in week one when he only had three catches because he drew three penalties, and Brissett missed him at least once. Um, It it sure feels like he's going to get consistently open, and that's huge, right? It's huge from a receiver. It's huge from a play-calling perspective if you know your number one guy, is going to be an open target.
1: Yeah, I think what is starting to show for me is we keep having that talent conversation. Maybe what I want to pinpoint more is playmakers. Like, you're starting to see that Najoku could be a playmaker. Uh, Amari Cooper's a playmaker. You know Chubb's a playmaker. Hunt can be a playmaker. Uh, you know Watson's a playmaker. He comes back. We have playmakers on this offense. You have Garrett. He's a playmaker. I mean, uh, maybe that's what it is. It's it's not as much talent because we know the secondary has talent, but they're not really making plays. Maybe they will. That's what they need to do. Maybe playmaking is the the way to say it.
0: Yeah, I like that. I like that distinction because that's what matters, right? The talent doesn't matter. It's if you make the plays. So, yeah, I'll I'll give you that, and I think we've seen – I'm convinced that Amari Cooper is a legitimate playmaker. And I mean, we didn't need it this year. He didn't need to show us this year. He's a four-time Pro Bowler. I think he's got five 1,000-yard receiving seasons. But you you need to see it from David Njoku, right? He needs to show you that he's a consistent playmaker. And that's been missing through the first five years of his career. He wasn't consistent enough. His hands weren't consistent enough. He didn't make plays consistently enough. And, you know, I think we've seen steps in the right direction. And I think the game against Pittsburgh was a big step in that direction. Now you need um, repeated performances and
1: consistency. Anything else on the defense you want to talk about before we move on? I feel like you hit it in your opening uh, statement about the game. But uh, before we move on to this week and the Falcons, uh, anything else on that?
0: Well, I mean, maybe this will lead us into the Falcons thing and uh, stop me. But the injuries, right? Like, that's the yeah. concern for me is, yep. right, Anthony Walker, the linebacker, goes down with the torn quad tendon. Um, I thought he's playing really well. Got off to a really good start. That's a big loss. He's a captain. He was a signal caller. Now, Jacob Phillips will step in, and Jacob Phillips is really talented. For him, he needs to stay healthy. That's the key. He needs to be – he needs to be – I'm going to say as smart as Anthony Walker. He needs to he, – he, he needs to do that well, right? Getting the defense organized, calling the plays, communicating. Um, the stuff that Anthony Walker – I know you can say, oh, my God, the Browns had these breakdowns. I don't blame Walker for that, and I can tell you that Walker – is really smart, is a really good leader. So Jacob Phillips needs to fill that role. But talent-wise, I think he's as good as Anthony Walker. Um, But he needs to do that. He needs to fill that role that Anthony Walker had. Um, So that's number one. And then we have talked about Garrett. We don't know if he's going to play Sunday. Jadavion Clowney, we don't know about him Sunday. Uh, Jeremiah Koromoa left the Steelers game, didn't practice Wednesday. And Denzel Ward didn't practice Wednesday. And defensive tackle Taven Bryan didn't. So we're talking five defensive starters, not including Walker, didn't practice Wednesday. Now, hopefully some of those guys are able to play by Sunday. Um, they really need them to. If not, I, I think that really, depending who misses, right, Taven Bryant's not as big a loss as Miles Garrett or Clowney or Ward um, or JOK. I mean, JOK's big, especially when you're missing Walker. So all of a sudden the Browns' depth gets tested, and if you start to miss, three, four, five of your starting 11, um, that's a concern. And all of a sudden, you, I, I think it changes
1: your expectations for the game. Anything of note from the locker room yesterday, other than what you've uh, already told us?
0: Um, No, I think we covered it. There's a lot of Miles talk, and some Nick Chubb talk was the, was the crux of it.
1: Yeah, so two and one, huge win to get a win in the division. I mean, obviously, we talk about that all the time uh, to beat the Steelers like that. And uh, I think you are going to see a different Steelers team. What week do we play them? Uh, I don't know. I the last week. It. Yeah, yeah, there you okay, go. I think we're, gonna, we're 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 going to see a much different team um, next time. Next time the Browns face them, I think. Might a uh, different quarterback. The, right, exactly. Uh, and I, you know, I think um, uh, Pickens. I, I think you are going to just see. I I just think you'll see a better offense, but we'll see. Time will tell, but not bottom line. It doesn't matter. They get the win. That's all that matters. So one and two. Now, I don't know if you remember when we played the, you know, the schedule game, here's a great example of why the schedule game is, is ridiculous when the schedule first comes out, because like all of a sudden that chargers game now doesn't look as brutal as it did with Bosa hurt and, and Herbert dealing with an injury. You know, you never know what happens throughout the season. That said, I think the Falcons look a little better than than I thought they would be when we kind of remember the uh, podcast, we broke down what their record would be before Brissette came back. Yeah. And, you know, I think we both agreed that they needed to be three and one after the, the four. I think they're a better team than I thought. They're one and two, but they gave up 17 points in the fourth quarter and lost to the Saints 27-26. They almost came back to beat the Rams and, and lost that game. And then they did beat Seattle 27-23. So, I I don't I definitely don't think this is and, – and listen, no NFL games a layup, but this certainly isn't one where you're like, hey, we're definitely going in there and getting this win.
0: No, you're completely correct. And I went and I watched the last two Falcons games. So I watched the win in Seattle, and it's impressive when you win in Seattle anytime. And then I went back and I watched the loss to the Chargers. And a few things stick out at me. Like defensively, Atlanta doesn't blow you away. Um, you know, they got Grady Jarrett up front, a couple of corners that you'd recognize, but not like no studs, no, no superstars on that defense. They fly around like they're fast, but you know, they're not great against the run. They're not great against the pass. feels like teams can move the ball. Um, but on offense, you know, they have Marcus Mariota and, you know, he's a journeyman. He's former top two pick, not the best arm, um, you know, some questionable decisions in the couple of games I watch, but can make plays with his feet, right? He, he's a threat running. He's a threat with the zone read, um, RPOs. Like, you can do a lot of stuff with him that creates creates confusion, creates chaos for defense, um, and gives the offense – the play caller on offense gives you options because, you you know, it's like the broads. When they run the play action, guys pop open, whatever. Um, on top of that, he's got some weapons. You know, they got Cordero, Cordero Patterson, who's playing running back, the converted receiver, and he looks a little funky because he's tall for a running back. He's over six feet, and he wears number yeah. 84, but he's got big numbers. Like, he's averaging six yards of carry. Um, he's in the top five in rushing behind Chubb, um, so he's, he's good. Like, he's a threat out of the backfield. He can catch the ball. He still returns kicks. He's averaging 6.2 yards of carry. Um, has two touchdowns, and then they throw it to Kyle Pitts, the second year tight end, who you know looks like a receiver. They they line him up wide, so then you got to figure out how you're going to cover him when he's lined up wide. Do you you know put a corner on him? Do you cover him with a safety or linebacker? Like he's a mismatch guy. You got Drake London, the rookie top 10 pick out of USC, who's good. I think he is at two touchdowns already this season. He does, he got 16 catches, two touchdowns. So they have some threats on offense. So, yeah, this is not a walkover game. Um, I think they have a good coach, and Arthur Smith. He's in his second year. He used to be coordinator with the Titans. Um, so, yeah, they're. I don't think they're as talented as the Browns overall. But they have some pieces, and they play hard. Like, that Rams game, they were down. Like, it looked like the game was over. All of a sudden, they get a touchdown. They get a block punt for a touchdown. They score, and all of a sudden, they're threatening to take over the game until – Mariota throws a late pick. Um, and, I, and I'm trying to remember, I, I think the pick wasn't a bad throw. His guy just didn't go up and get it and let Jalen Ramsey kind of out jump him for a kind of a 50-50 ball. So yeah, I, I I expect this to be a hard-fought game. And you're right, Chad. All of a sudden, you know, you're thinking, oh, if the Browns beat the Steelers, you get it to 3-1. and one. It is far from a gimme. And I think this is, I mean, I think the line might be one and a half. It feels like a toss-up game to me. Especially when you add in some of the players
1: that Browns might be missing. Yeah, it is one and a half. Uh, I'll double check to see if that's changed, but uh, I had one and a half, and then the over forty nine and a half, which is much different. So I think it was mm-hmm. uh, thirty nine. Hey, and remember last week I told you the lo- the uh, under was uh, a trap. That yeah, game went it, over, by the way. It did well, and it, I think
0: it went over even before that garbage touchdown in the last play, right? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, – yeah, the garbage. real close. I mean, um, it's so actually it was, it was right at 40.
1: Yeah, so it yeah. at
0: 40 before the last touchdown, here. Yeah.
1: So it just went over because I, I don't have the paper in front of me, but I think it was like 39-and-a-half last week. Yeah, that sounds um, nice. But But there you go. But that's a prime example. And you remember you brought this up about how people are uncomfortable watching games when they have the under? Yeah. And that's exact – how many times I've seen it in college football and pro football where you have the under, or something fluky like that happens on the last play of the game, you know? Right. No, well,
0: for sure. Especially college when you get the overtime, right? I mean, you could score 80 points in overtime. That you can't do that in the NFL at least. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's it's just hard. And I was watching games Sunday with some of my softball guys, and we were talking about the same thing. It's hard to bet that under, right? I mean, there were had some one guy that actually had an under, and by halftime he had already lost, right? Like <laughs> it's mean, right.
1: that, a hard way to go. Look at you enjoying a Sunday football was, with man. uh with some friends not having to cover a game. That must have felt uh, good. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, it was nice. <laughs> uh did you uh I apologize. Did you mention Kyle Pitts? Yeah, just he,
0: he's such a tough matchup, Judd. You yeah. watch him, you watch him line up all over the field and I asked Stefanski about that Wednesday just and he said, "Hey, the, you know, and he he gave a typical stock answer just How tight ends, you know, if you cover him with a corner, then he's bigger. If you cover him with a linebacker, he's faster. Um, It it might, maybe, it's a matchup where Martin Emerson Jr. is the guy that rookie corner, um, because he's tall enough that I think he could probably play with Pits. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if the Browns did that if they tried to cover him with a corner. Now, if Denzel Ward doesn't play, he didn't practice with. I think it was back in rib injuries Wednesday. Like, if he didn't play, then you'd have some issues. Then you'd have to go AJ Green in the slot. You know, maybe you don't want to, maybe you don't want to put Emerson on pits then. But I think you have to figure out different ways to try to match up with him, whether it's a safety, whether it's using a corner, because he's that good. And he really does look more like, I don't know what kind of blocker he is, but he certainly looks more like receiver than tight end, Um,
1: which is not a knock. It's just the way he runs. Like, he runs like a receiver. Yeah, from a fantasy standpoint, the Browns typically haven't been great against tight ends. Friermuth did nothing last week, but I, I guess I was just concerned about that that Pitts matchup. Yeah, historically, that's been
0: an issue for the defense. No, no question about it. Yeah how
1: how how good do you think the Falcons' run
0: defense is? I don't think it's very good. Um, yeah, you know, I, I get. Let me look. I got the numbers right in front of me. Let me just find looks like the they're numbers. about
1: middle of the pack. Yeah, but like I watched
0: that, like you know, and like I said, I'm only watching a game or two, but. They've only played three, so that's a decent percentage. But, like, the Seahawks started that game, and they ran it. I thought they ran it at ease um, against the Falcons. Like, they're, I mean, rushing, they rank tied for 15th, right? 109.3, right in the middle of the pack. Um, but, like, it felt to me like the Seahawks ran it however they wanted, and I wrote down, like, bad run defense. So, um, I, I think the Browns will be able to take advantage of that, now you know they might just Atlanta might decide to put ten guys in the box and force Jacoby Brissett to beat them, and if he does, then they're going to have to do that. Um, but other teams have done that too, and the Bronze have still had success at least this season. So I, I don't, I, I think the Bronze are going to be able to score points. I, I don't think that's going to be an issue because the Falcons' pass defense is not that good. It's that ranks that um, ranks pretty low too. I want to say, yeah, no doubt. All right, ready to get to the prediction time. Yeah, let me just make yeah they're twenty seventh against the pass two hundred seventy two seventy one point three yards. Yeah, oh, so yeah, so I think there should be opportunities for the Browns um, to move the ball, and I think they're going to have to move the ball. Do you uh,
1: do you have anything else before we get to prediction time? Nope, I'm good. Is it me or you first this time? Uh, it's it's you first. I All went right. first last week. Uh, you are two and one. Yeah, uh, your only loss was the Jets game. So I mean, gosh, you should be three and zero. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I'm one and two, should be two and one. I mean, but whatever, it's not the case. We are what we are. So I'm one and two, you're two and one. Uh, You get to go first, uh, Browns and Falcons. Uh, Let me double check to see if that line has changed here real quick uh, since I saw it last. Uh, One and a half and 48.5. So it's gone down to 48.5 from 49.5. But it's that's still Browns minus a point and a half. All right. Um,
0: yeah, I, I wish I we had a little more information on who wasn't going to play because I do think that's important. And I know that doesn't change the line a bunch, right? Miles Garrett. I don't think Miles Garrett moves the line, um, you know, let alone a guy like JOK. Okay, but maybe the collection of the, you know, starters being out would move the line at least yeah. a little bit. My point is, and I'm sure if if people have been paying attention for the last however we've been talking, I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. Like, I believe the Browns will be able to move the ball. And given especially the Browns' injuries on defense, the uncertainty of Miles Garrett, the uncertainty of Jadavion Clowney, um, we saw the Browns not be able to generate a pass rush against the Steelers. And unless they have both of those ends, I think it's going to be really tough just because they don't have that depth and whoever's getting the one-on-ones across from Miles Garrett wasn't taking advantage. You know, that's young guys like Alex Wright and Isaac Rochelle, and, you know, they're just not the the pass rushers that Garrett and Clowney are. So um, I I think my point is I think there's going to be points scored. I think Atlanta will be able to move the ball to some degree, um, especially if you're missing key pieces. So I'm going to go 31-30, Chud. I think we're gonna see I think it's gonna be a fun game, an exciting game. Um, and I'm really torn about who to pick to win this game. <laughs> it's 31-30. But I'm gonna go Browns. Um, I, I think they have some momentum coming off that Steelers win. I like the vibe, I like the confidence that Jacoby Brissett has, and I think his teammates have always been confident, but I, I believe that's grown their confidence in him because he's played
1: so well the last couple of weeks. So, give me the Browns 31-30 in a nail-biter. All right, man. I This is hilarious. We picked the exact same score in the Jets game, right? And the Steelers game, we weren't too far off. Right. So, I'm just going to – I'll give you the reasons why, but I, I got to go score first because this is hilarious. I originally was going to go 28-26 Browns, but – as this conversation went on i i swear to god i wrote down on my paper and changed my score to 3129 wow, wow. <laughs> you have 3130 yeah. i have 3129 that is incredible i'm going 3129 and i'm going browns okay. and in a few reasons why i think this is a game you know I, I i always talk about show me first well in this case i think they've shown me that they deserve to be picked in a game like this that this is a game you got to win if you want to make the playoffs and you want to be a team to be reckoned with you you got to win a game like this simply because while we while we will warn fans the falcons are better and i think by picking them to only win by a point two points we're doing that right and we're giving the falcons respect but i think you know they've proved they can win on the road they've gone and done that and i just feel like they're in a position now where I think Chubb, I think they're going to run all over them. And I think, like you said, it's going to be high scoring. That said, I have concerns about the defense. I'm going to go with 31-29. I'm going to go with the Browns to cover that point and a half. And the reason why is, you know, and this is just that whole Vegas type thing. Yeah. I don't know if you know this. There's three teams in the NFL that have covered every week. I don't know if you know that. I did not know it, that. It, it's the uh, Falcons, the Lions. And the Dolphins, I believe, are the third. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's Dolphins. But the Lions seem to cover every week. It's crazy. They're on this amazing streak dating back to last year of covering. The Lions huh. are. But um, I, I just feel like people might – gamblers might look at that and be like, oh, the Falcons are 3-0. and But let's be honest, you, you don't cover every week. I mean, at the end of the huh. year, there, there's no team un, undefeated. So I think it's kind of a trap, that point and a half. Uh, typically, you get – three points if you're at home, right? So yeah. if this game were in Cleveland, you would say, all right, Browns minus three and then maybe five and a half because they figure they're, uh, you know, that much better or whatever. So I guess the, giving you the long version here, I, I, I'm i going to go two points there. I, just that point and a half. Again, you know, you, we're both I, I think we both next week would not sit here and be like, oh, I can't believe the Falcons won, right? right. Uh, whereas we kind of felt that way more so about the Jets. I think we were You know, we talked about that before, so again, don't sleep on the Falcons. But I think at the end of the day, this is when they get done. They, I think we always said they needed to be three and one after these first four games, and uh, let kind of let the schedule play out from there. So, uh, I'm gonna go Browns win as well,
0: okay? Yeah, I mean, it just
1: shows you how
0: close these games are, how close the point spreads are. Um, you know, it's the you know, what the difference between one and two, all of a sudden, that's gonna that could be. You know, if you're winning a bet or losing a bet, that's why it's crazy. That's why it's hard to bet the NFL. Period. Um, And and just yeah, my last point is the without the injuries on defense, without what could be key injuries on defense, key absences, uh, I would feel more comfortable picking the Browns. Um, But I think when you start to get into your depth so much against the talented Mm -hmm. offense, like we mentioned, a talented Falcons offense, like we mentioned. I think that's where the game could shift. Uh, so that's why that's why I'm less um, confident in a Browns victory than I would have been. You know, if you told me Garrett Clowney, JOK and Ward were going to play, I'd be like, all right, I, I feel pretty good about the Browns. I might not, I might go 31, 21 or 31, 24. You know what I mean? But um, yeah. you start to miss, Get back to your point, you start to miss your playmakers on defense and Ward, and Ward and Clowney and Garrett and JOK are those playmakers. Um, that can change, right? It can it can mean another touchdown or another ten points. So that's why you know that's why I'm less confident. than I would have been now. Maybe all these guys play, and um, by Sunday morning I feel differently. But that's why I am Thursday morning. So
1: well, yeah, we're making this pick on Thursday morning. You right. can always change it. You sure. always have that ability, right? Yep. So,
0: and I, and I don't, you know, I wouldn't expect all these guys to play, right? If five guys aren't practicing Wednesday, I don't think all of them will be up for Sunday, but you might get one or two, right? Maybe Ward comes back. We talked about Garrett. And all of a sudden you feel a little bit better, right? If you're, um you know, if you're a Browns fan. So, but anyway, I think it'll be an entertaining game regardless. There's a lot of playmakers on both sides of the ball. Watch out for Nick Chubb having a huge homecoming game. Not that he doesn't have the potential to have a huge game regardless. Um, but, you know, they're on that fast turf down there, so.
1: I, don't know, I, yep. I think it'll
0: be a fun game. And then, then we get into this gauntlet of the schedule, which you mentioned doesn't doesn't appear right now. as hard as it was with the Chargers' injuries, with Mac Jones being hurt, with New England, right, with the Bengals struggling. Like, and again, this can change on a dime. But it's it's so interesting, and you're right about playing the schedule game in May, or let alone September. Um, the NFL is a week to week basis because injuries mean so much in this league. Ah,
1: such a great point. It really is. It's, it's a week to week deal.
0: Yep. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Chad. I appreciate everybody listening. Um, thanks for listening to another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. And you can read all my work at brownzone.com. Thank you.